And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. John Lennon once said, life is what happens to us while we're busy making other plans, but sometimes as life happens, Clutter happens along the way. Now, clutter can be everywhere. Your desk, your closet, your sock drawer, even your schedule. On today's episode, my amazing friend Dorota and I are going to discuss freedom from life's clutter. Dorota, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's so exciting to have you here because so many people, I think, are struggling with this issue. I mean, I myself struggle with it. I like to watch that show, Hoarders, just so I can say, well, my house doesn't look so bad. <laughs> yeah, I hear that all the time. I bet, I bet. So I'm really interested, first off, how did you get into doing this kind of work? And what appealed to you about it and what started you on this journey? Wow, it's such a such a good question, you know. With me, really, I have struggled with keeping my space, my living space, mess-free most of my life. I sort of lived between those two stages. Super clean, nice and tidy. I love that. But also extreme mess. And I could never really find the middle ground for myself. I never really understood why is getting is it getting the way it is my house and I always thought I just need to be better organized I need to find out the solutions for my home to to work with what I have to organize my stuff my stuff better but the worst well, for me, really, it was when the pandemic hit the UK I lived in the UK for a very long time and I did have a cleaning business at the time as well, which was like the double uh, shame because me having a successful cleaning business and then at home living in that mess, that was, you know, something that I was just so ashamed of, so embarrassed. But because of the pandemic, I had to get a second job. So I ended up really coming out of a pandemic in and out. It was sort of that 2020 was a strange year, I ended up having two jobs and I worked 15, 16 hours a day. And my home got to the point where I would sit at the end of my bed thinking, if I just close my eyes and wish the mess away, it's going to disappear. But the really the epiphany moment for me was that, hang on, it's not going to happen by itself. I have to be the one to do it. I did have friends uh, helping me, but the mess would just come back really quickly. So at one point, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to start throwing the stuff out because I cannot live like that anymore. But I was paralyzed. That was the worst part, I think. Sitting at the, on the edge of my bed thinking, I don't even know where to start. So I would just pretend it wasn't there. But with that um, purging, I gained experience. I gained 
sort of knowledge of what I want to keep, what I don't want to keep. And the more decisions like that I made, the faster. It really happened quite quick for me. I think I got rid of about 75% of all the stuff that I had. And it was, what, three years ago now, my room, which my bedroom, which always would be either super clean or super messy, now it does not get messy anymore because I don't really have the stuff that would cause that mess to happen and even if it does a little bit I just know now I have the tools and the techniques how to quickly bring it back to the way I want my house to be and I don't get overwhelmed by it anymore so that's sort of how it came about for me and I decided you know what if it helped me I, I knew that there was people out there, you know, you mentioned the hoarder show. That's an extreme version of it. But I knew that there were people out there that also struggled. And then I came across uh, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi. And I've learned that actually coaching is bringing hope pe- to people in a way that we've never imagined before. So I thought, I'm going to dive right into this world. And here I am now helping people. And it's just the best thing ever. It is the best thing ever. I say that about the whole coaching world because you and I were very similar paths because it was in 2020, that crazy year of the pandemic and everything happening that I launched my business as well, Tony W Coaching. And I started doing coaching and speaking and set a goal that in 2021, I would leave my previous job, which was, I was a successful investigator uh, for uh, like 20 years. And I said, uh, enough of the negative world, enough of all this negativity in the world, and I just need to move forward. So we kind of had our epiphanies in 2020 during all that. Back to what you're saying about the clutter and sitting there wishing it to go away. I can just Imagine that because, you know, I've kind of done the same thing. And I know a lot of people listening have probably done that too, especially if you come home from a day at work. You don't want to be sitting there cleaning up your house. So what do you think was the most difficult part once you started taking the action? Wow, such a good question. You know, it's 100% the identity that we attach to clutter, right? Because getting rid of stuff that's easy compar- comparably to changing the identity, right? Sometimes. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I'm not saying always, right? Because there is a sentimental clutter that, uh, you know, like for me, 15 years after finishing high school, I was still like, nope, not ready to touch that. But when it comes to, you know, picking a thing and either deciding I want to keep it. No, I don't need it. Relatively, that's quite easy. But actually finding out what drives us to want to keep those things, right? It's a very intense work that we need to do. But the coolest thing about it is it happens without us even realizing it. Because once we start getting rid of that clutter, something really magical happens. We don't get that sensory overload as much anymore. We get quick wins. With quick wins, we all know what happens, the dopamine hit, right? So it's like the motivator. So you're like, yeah, I want to do more because you start seeing the results. But really, there is always something going on like underneath the clutter. Most people 
discover that the attention, attraction, sorry, to clutter meets some sort of different need. And once we identify what is the root of that problem, decluttering becomes so much easier. Because, you know, after all, really, we hang on to things for a reason, even if we don't really know or we not, we are not really aware what the reason is. So what I've done is I sort of created those three my through working with clients and done I've done a lot of research I'm like crazy about you know reading uh on this topic and all the other topics yep. you know human psychology like human brain is just so fascinating to me but I sort of distinguished three main clutter identities the first one is the savior the second one would be the collector and the third one is the warrior so the savior identity, right? We tend to attach a very strong sentimental value to items like souvenirs, gifts, memorabilia, any sort of things like that, right? Um, but also we are irresistibly drawn to sales, discounts, deals. You know, sometimes we we go into the shops and there is a deal going on. We will go into shop, buy stuff, even though we hadn't really thought of buying anything new right because we cannot we just cannot pass that good deal and with this savior very often people pleaser comes up i'm a recovering people pleaser so you straight away know what my clutter identity was people pleaser being a people pleaser it's a massive driver so with this, we really have to learn how to set the boundaries, not only with people, right, but with stuff. And it's actually easier to do it the other way around. It's easier to start decluttering, to start setting boundaries with stuff, and that will give us this courage sometimes that we need, the push to start setting boundaries with people as well. Um, then we have the collector, right? So collector is really a person who likes to accumulate things related to hobbies, aspirations, all the crafters out there, right? These uh, are collectors. That's the identity that we take on. We like to buy storage solutions because we think that somehow this is going to help and then the third one is, and oh sorry with the collector that's where the shopaholic comes up we feel that we need to feel this sort of need that we have by buying stuff and i often ask the question how to my clients how often amazon comes to your home right yes. how often do you get the parcels um delivered to your home and then we have the warrior Right. And the warrior tend they tend to worry about the future. We hold on to items just in case. But also the clutter is often a result of sort of the fear of needing something that we no longer have. And very often here and in the savior, the savior of the family, the school, the neighborhood comes up. Right. So it's the identity that we like to keep things just in case to, you know, just in case my grand-granddaughter will need uh, a flute that I had when I was in my, when I was a teenager. So I'm going to keep that flute for my whole entire life just in case 
someone down the line in generation will need that. So they also interchange those platter identities. Very often my clients are a mixture of few. Yes. I'm definitely a mixture of all three. But working with those identities, they really help you to understand your clutter patterns and they guide you towards more organized and clutter-free life. And what's also important to remember is that we can work with those clutter identities and adapt more mm, efficient strategies that will align us with that identity. Interesting. Now, I really like that you touched on the fact that we can be a combination of these identities, because as you were going through them, I could say, well, I'm like that, but I'm not like that. I'll give you an example. You and I share our love for psychology and being psychology geeks, as I call it. Uh, when I was an investigator, I read, you know, just read everything psychology. And now that all translates, I can use all that in my current life and my current business, but I tend to collect books. I have like tons and tons of books. When you mentioned Amazon, Amazon was originally a book company before they had everything. And, you know, I constantly, constantly, uh, I'm getting books. I'll order this one. Oh, I got to read that. Got to read that. And I'm the kind of person that sometimes has two or three to five books going, reading at the same time. So yeah, that's, me too. <laughs> yes, exactly. But as far as collecting other things, well, for when I was younger uh, as a musician, I used to also collect music. And of course, there's the old saying, you can never have too many guitars, right? <laughs> In those areas, I would say yes. But for, for the most part, I actually... I'll preface this. My parents were actually my maternal grandparents. So I was uh, kind of taken in and adopted by my, my maternal grandparents. So the parents I had were much older and, you know, they grew up during, during the depression. When you think about that, that mindset kind of trickled down into me about saving things, saving things just in case you need it. So I can see a lot of that in what I do. But I think mostly the larger thing is that whole sentimental value. And like you mentioned, souvenirs and things from the past that I feel like if I throw that out, then I'm throwing out my past. And I bet you come across that all the time. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. And, you know, I always say that if you want to keep the stuff, it's absolutely okay to keep the stuff. You know, decluttering is not about now wiping the, the slate clean, right? Getting rid of everything, moving into a new home with white floors and, and white walls and nothing on it. But decluttering is really about letting those, those important things rise to the top and get rid of all of the noise, right? Because like, I also have loads of books. Like I did have to get rid of some because I was moving from UK back to Poland. So I couldn't really, when I found out how much they would charge me for moving my stuff overseas, I was like, no, I need to get rid of even more. But with the collecting stuff, right? I read a study once that as an adult, we have around 17 spare minutes in a day. So now thinking about this in that way, 
we don't really have time to read all the books, to cook all the recipes, to wear all the clothes that we wear, providing that we only wear 20% of the clothes that we have anyway, right? right? It's more, you know, we really have to decide what we want the area that we surround ourselves with, our home, to represent and to be, right? Because Every single one of us is different. Some of us like pristine. Some of us like, you know, lots of knickknacks around it and we feel good in it. So it's really about acknowledging that what feels good for me, not listening to anything else, not listening to how many towels Susan has. How many towels do you need? How many towels is enough for you? But we also have to appreciate the, the, the fact that we cannot keep everything. And it really goes with sentimental items here the most because these are the things or collect um, collections uh, or hobbies, crafts and things like that. If we don't use them, the thing is here, if you do not, I'll say it differently, if you keep all of the sentimental items, all of the crafts, all of the hobbies, all of the aspirational stuff that you have, but you don't use them, and you don't have the space for the stuff that you actually do use, right? right? Here is where we really have to start thinking about it. Okay, there is some sort of order I need to have in my home because living on autopilot doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's very true. We do have to we have to make those decisions. I always say in anything in life, everything starts. Well, everything starts with desire first, right? We have to have the desire to do something and it has to be a burning desire. We have to really want it. And then everything starts with a decision. We make that decision that, okay, we're going to do that. So, you know, that's kind of like where you were. I can see you sitting on your bed, looking at your room going, okay, enough's enough. I, I need to start doing this. And it's not going to go away by itself. I love that thought. So, uh, I want to break this down a little bit more into practical steps for people listening, because there might be somebody listening who's shaking their head going, yep, exactly. I agree with that. That's me. But how do I do this? And they look at this gigantic task and I kind of know what you're going to say. Part of it is going to be you have to start somewhere and it's a little bit at a time and don't look at the whole thing, because if you look at the whole picture it's just going to overwhelm you. So you want to get rid of the overwhelm. That I definitely can understand. But in the course of doing it, what would you say would be the first step somebody has to take and then maybe kind of go from there to go through what your process is when you're working with your clients? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. I absolutely love this. And everything that you said is everything that the whole meaning of it, really, that what it comes down to. But give me the steps, right? Because, it, like, I hate uh, listening to 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 books or podcasts or reading stuff or articles. And you, after reading it, you're like, okay, but what do I do? Let me give you that right now. Here, what you really have to do is start working with, not against your own brain. Right. And I've already mentioned the dopamine uh, hit, that instant results that we get because decluttering is very much perceived as delayed gratification. Right. I'm going to be happy when it's all gone. But whilst it's still here, I cannot. Um, it's a massive project. So 
after doing loads of research and working with my clients, there was a, M, I call it MVP method, right? And not the most valuable player, sadly, but it's the most visible point. What that is, is any area that you walk into, whether it's your living room or your kitchen or your bedroom, whatever the area is. And I really, really suggest starting from the space that you spend the most time in, right? Because there is no point doing a spare bedroom if you don't go there. Walk into that space and to sort of, there is four steps to to do. Before you walk into uh, that area that you want to work on, close your eyes, take a deep breath and move your body a little bit. It doesn't have to be like a crazy movement. It could be just like a little bit, like a little wobble, right? Like a head wobble thing. What it does is it resets our brain for a little, for a moment. It resets our cognitive expectations of what we will see when we re-enter the room, right? And here is two questions that are crucial for us to answer. The first one, when you reopen your uh, your eyes and then walk into that space first thing what is the first thing that you see and then the second question is what is the first thing that you notice and a crucial part is apart from opening your eyes obviously is you have to describe this out loud because yes. research says that when you say something out loud it is so much more likely to be true. It is not to say that whatever you see and you say it in your head, it's not true. But when you say it out loud, your brain hears it louder. Your recognition of what's actually going on is um, deeper, right? So the difference really, I get really uh, asked a lot, what's the difference between those two questions? The first thing that you see is literally when you, Uh, open your eyes and walk into the space where your eyes naturally what is the point that your eyes are naturally taking you to because if it's a living room it could be just that quarter of the coffee table that you have and this is literally your first area to start because this is for your brain the most uh, stressful point And the question, what is the first thing that you notice? It's more the feeling that you get in this area. And why is it important to also notice that? Because our brain likes to protect us, right? So our subconscious brain stops sending us signals because otherwise we would all go crazy. All the information that is around us, our subconscious brain would deliver to our consciousness we would all just go cuckoo, right? So answering those two questions, now this is the area that you should start. And once you are done with this area, it could be a corner in your kitchen, it could be a whole dining room, or maybe a quarter of the dining room. Once you are done with this first area, you keep repeating this exercise every single time. It's not only for the first time, but every single time you complete this exercise because what it does it gives you that instant result and when you once you see that result you will want to keep going that's what you need for the decluttering motivation we all know motivation doesn't really exist right yes exactly. it comes and goes but what you need is a sustainable way to declutter 
those consistent actions daily, five minutes a day, five minutes a day. If you do a whole year, 365 days a year for five minutes, you will have decluttered for 33 hours. That's massive. Who's got 33 hours to declutter like in one go? True. So you yeah. break it so, down in those small yeah. steps based upon what you notice. I'm just curious. Have you read Atomic Habits? Because you're some of the things you're saying are right out of that book. That Oh, my gosh. No, I need to like write it down. Five minutes a day, that type of thing, just a little bit each day. I think that that's great. The other thing that I, I wanted to bring up was you brought up something and this this doesn't necessarily have to do with clutter. It's with everything in life. And it's that idea of saying things out loud. I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill's book and his work. And in Think and Grow Rich, he talks about writing down your ultimate goal and doing it. And I always say, don't type it out on your laptop or on your computer. No, you have to write it by hand because there's something about putting pen to paper. But then the other thing that he says is to read it out loud in the morning and then in the evening. And that's exactly for the same reason that you brought up. Reading things out loud does something in our brain to our subconscious mind. And it's it's just, it gives us more of the ability to actually materialize and to manifest these things in our life. So if we want to talk about decluttering our house, you know, write down by hand, why is that important to you? Why is it important to you? And then read that out loud. And the more you do that, the more it'll give you the motivation to go ahead and do it. So I really like that other part, though, about just starting with the thing that you focus on when you walk into the room, because that's going to get you through. And then once that's clean, you're right. You'll start to focus on something else and you go after that. And this is this is brilliant, Dorota, because it's uh, taking one small step at a time and it's not looking at the big mammoth picture you know the elephant in the room and it's it's saying okay we're just going to take a little bit at a time the other thing that i wanted to ask you about though is the abc factor and you've probably never heard this before and feel free to use this because i just kind of came up with it while you were talking attic okay i'm curious picked my curiosity yep Attic, basement, closet. Because mm-hmm. when you take that corner of the room and start decluttering it, especially if you're someone who likes to save things, whether it be for the sentimental reasons or because uh, you know you you may need it someday, whatever. So when I'm cleaning up that area, natural instinct would be, oh, I'm gonna not throw it away or not get rid of it. I'm going to put it someplace. And it's usually your attic, your basement, or a closet somewhere. So those areas of your house all of a sudden become these huge gathering places where all the clutter goes and has its own little party. So now that you've cleaned up your room, you know, those focal points in your house, the living room, the kitchen, wherever, I mean, the bedroom, wherever it might be. How do you deal with those larger areas that tend to be clutter magnets? The ABCs, as I say. Yeah. Wow. I, I absolutely love this uh, question. Like you 
everything that you said, it's it's I one hundred percent, you know, agree with that. What I would say here is, once you go through those crucial areas in your home, you'll gain so much knowledge and experience that going up the attic or going into a basement or going into the closet, it will be more the execution of the practice that you've already been doing right it it won't be you relearning and struggling and with some things yeah you'll probably struggle and if you are just in a dire sort of situation I would either just declutter this thing or keep it right we don't really have to make all of decisions the reality is that if one's house became cluttered after 20 years of living there it's not going to take one month to get rid of the clutter it will probably take a year or two maybe three or maybe four or who knows maybe it's going to take 10 years and the reality is you will be decluttering until the last day on earth right why because we also keep bringing stuff into our home and one of the most crucial things about decluttering is Stop bringing stuff, stop the inflow or reduce the inflow of things. Because if you donated five bucks to the charity shop, we call them charity shops in, in England, but it's thrift stores, right? For you in, in the US, if you taken five bucks, but you're coming back home with two, the reality is you've only decluttered three, right? So it's do- taking those things. But I would what I would really want to cover also is how to start if every single fiber of your body says no i don't want to do it because we all have those days and i had most of the time at the beginning i had those days that i didn't really want to because the results were not there yet i have sort of couple of things that could be done right first of all and you already sort of covered that we really have to find out why we want to do it get a pen and paper out start writing why why do you want to declutter and really dig deep that's one thing the other thing is just give yourself a permission we often need a permission right so i am saying it out loud right you have mine and tony's permission to declutter but what i've done actually it was funny because i was actually in a process of reading mel robbins book high five habit and i went in front of my mirror and i said you have my permission to declutter. And I said it to myself. And there's something that shifted in the chemistry of my body and I could feel it, that it's like this, oh, okay, I can do it, right? I'm allowed to do it. It goes again, people pleasers. If you are a people pleaser, you need the permission. You need someone to give you the permission. Be that person for yourself. There is two practices that I always do with my clients. The first one is, It's called moving towards. What it is, is if you want to declutter your living room, for example, but you really cannot do it, grab a timer and go into that room for 60 seconds. You don't have to do anything. Just go into that area, stand there, do nothing, scroll through your phone. Do it today, do it tomorrow, do it for two, three days, and eventually... 60 seconds every single day eventually that will create enough momentum for you to pick up something that's out of place it's called a quiet persuasion i think if i remember correctly it's doing 
by being in that area, you will eventually start the tiny micro micro steps, right? And always grab the timer um, because we often feel, you know, and you also mentioned that like, this is the massive task. How do I approach it? Set the timer for five minutes. What it does is it tells your brain, the timer tells your brain that your decluttering session has beginning, but also has an ending point. And that's important right? The ending point. We know that it's going to be done after five minutes and we can stop. If you want to keep going, great. If you don't, you're fine. You did five minutes. That's more than you've done in the past, what, 20 years, right? Most of the time. Now, I I mean, I really like that. It, It reminds me of something that I've used with my clients. Now, I don't do, technically, I'm not a health coach, but a lot of times people ask questions about it and I'll give them some advice. And one of the things that I've said is if you're trying to like walk on the treadmill, for example, and start getting into that habit, you know, I say, go downstairs. You have one minute a day, right? So go downstairs for, for one minute and just stand on the treadmill. Don't turn it on. Don't do anything else. And just, it'll build up the momentum that after a week of doing that, you'll be ready. Well, when am I going to turn it on? And you'll actually want to turn it on. So I kind of see that going down and standing in the room and being there for several days and looking at this every day, then your brain, and you've already given yourself permission because you've done that by looking in the mirror, your brain will say, okay, you're coming down here. Why not start cleaning? Why not start doing the decluttering process? So I think that's great. I think that's really, really awesome advice, Dorota. So I want to ask Tell me about your worst case scenario as far as you don't have to obviously give me any names, but the client who who you're most proud of in the very end that they've done so much. There was one client that I had. The home wasn't the the type of super messy that you would expect from, um, you know, I need to reach out to a decluttering coach to help me, right? But like I said at the beginning, it doesn't matter what your home really looks like to others. It's important what it looks to you, how you feel in your home. And the client was, even though she really wanted to change the home, she really needed it. That's probably a better way to say it. She was also very resistant to everything. There was this barrier and really through work and through weekly checkings and through conversation we slowly chipped away on that shell that she created and very often you know we fear change so even though we really want it we even though we are desperate for it we need we are fearful sorry we are fearful to change but we need to understand that the change is the only Uh, constant in our life everything changes all the time and we really with her we really had to start from the tiniest steps the 60 seconds even the 60 seconds was 30 seconds right she would do one day but then for three days she wouldn't but it wasn't until something just clicked in her that she realized okay I can either keep being the way 
I am unhappy because clutter brings those negative emotions, ashamed, overwhelmed. She she used to be a host in her home and now she's, you know, 15 years gone by and she's not had a single visitor because she just couldn't bring herself to bring her people into her home. And by doing non-negotiable tasks, right? Because that's what I do with the clients as well. One thing is decluttering. But the other thing is introducing habits to get that clutter identity. It's like pulling by a thread, right? Doing those little things and eventually the big change happened. So those non-negotiable tasks that we did day in, day out, that gave her the confidence to start reaching for a bigger uh, goals, bigger targets. And eventually, you know, when she told me that, do you know what? I don't hate my home anymore. Wow. That was such a massive energy shift for her. She she cried. We I cried on the call. And it was just, you know, one of those things where you, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I am so happy that I went through all that and happiness, all that traumatic experience for me with clutter, because now I know why I'm here. Wow, that's massive. That's definitely yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I know that Dora, you and I could probably sit and talk for another hour or two on this, and probably other topics as well. But uh, I want to be mindful of the listeners' time. So, the other question that I had is, as far as coaching goes, now most people are probably thinking, well, I need to hire like a decluttering coach to come into my house and actually work with me, but I know that you don't do that with your clients always one on one. I mean, if you are if you're there and they're in your area, that's one thing. But most people now are doing coaching virtually and online and things. So give me an idea. How does that work? And how is that effective as far as you know working with a coach? What would be the reason that somebody would want to work with somebody, even an online decluttering coach? Mm-hmm. I love this because it answers one simple uh question it's something that i really found out for myself is you have to be the one to do it i can guide you but you have to be the one to do it because hiring an organizer like you know the the home edit it looks beautiful but it doesn't work hiring someone to come to your home and declutter for you it doesn't work because If you don't change your habits, if you don't change your identity, clutter identity, if you do not work through why you accumulate clutter, what's stopping you from moving forward, it's never going to happen, right? You will live in those moments of, okay, they came, they decluttered, it will be fine for a year or three months or six months, but you will go back to your, how it was before, right? Mm. Um, So... That's the thing here. We work, you know, I work with brain science a lot. So with my clients, it's the accountability thing. We meet every single week. We talk about we talk about what happened during the week, how we can approach it in a different way. The obstacles, those moments create a lot of friction. So we work intensely right now to help them push through it, but also to implement the strategies for us everyday life or like summer for busy moms summer is such a hectic time when the kids are not in school so 
it's okay to let your house get messy, but we implement those moments, but we implement those strategies with my clients to help them push through those moments and then sort of work around it. So that's really a, a difference. And the guarantee here is once you achieve clutter freedom, you will never have to worry about clutter again uh, because you will just know how to operate in your home, how to bring your home back to how you want your home to be. You will have that different thinking about the stuff. Uh, maybe you will also change the way you shop. So yeah. many benefits of that. So having someone coming in as helpful as it is, it just doesn't work. Yeah, because it all starts in the mind. I know yeah. I, I have what's called... I guess I'll call them declutter boxes in the basement. And what those are, and I'm sure you've seen these or heard of these along the way, is we have company coming over. So you quickly pick up stuff and anything that you don't really need right away, throw in a box and it goes down. For me, it goes downstairs in the basement. So then when I'm going in the basement to try to clean up an, an area down there, I'll pick up this box and I'll go, why is all this stuff in here? Oh yeah, I must have been decluttering and bringing stuff downstairs because I didn't need it right away. And I didn't have the time to actually sit down and, and go through it. But if you get your mind working so that you start taking the action, you start doing these things, then you'll get into habits. You'll get those dopamine hits when they happen, and then you'll learn the process so that you're you're not having these declutter boxes. You're actually doing the process, and that's where your house can stay. You know, you'll never go back to the old way. Is what I'm I'm getting at there. So, this has been great, Dorota. Uh, it has, people, yeah. If people wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way to do that? Um, I am mainly on Facebook. There will be a link. I'm sure you'll post the link to my uh, to my Facebook. It's Dorota Kuldo, D-O-R-O-T-A-K-U-L-D-O uh, on Facebook. I am also on Instagram, DorotaKuldo.coach on Instagram. But I'm mainly, like I said, mainly on, on Facebook. So, yeah, follow, follow me. Friend, follow send you. me a friend request. Yeah. Great. And I, I encourage people to do that and to reach out to you if they're dealing with this issue. This has been fun. Now, I always ask my guests the same question when they're first on the podcast. So I'll ask that of you. And that is simply this. What does being purposely positive mean to you? Oh, such a wonderful phrase. You know, it's for me, it's making sure by the small things that I do in my life, that bring me joy, bring me happiness, that I can honestly, at the end of the day, say I had a good day. That's what um, what what it means to me, you know, choosing, but also choosing how I want to react to things uh, and setting boundaries as a recovering people pleaser. Setting boundaries has been a thing that really saved me but also I wouldn't be here without uh, those little things that I've done massive things as well but those little things in my life I would definitely not be here being a decluttering coach talking to you now would probably be stuck in my job that I hated 
Yeah. And there's so many people out there that are that are in that job that they hate and looking for a way to to break free of that. And you've done that in your journey. And now you're able to live a fulfilling life and be able to celebrate those wins, which I think is all part of that process, too, of living that purposely positive life that we all want to live. Dorota, this has been awesome, and I'd love to have you back sometime in the future to yeah. discuss either this or maybe something else. Maybe we can get into people pleasing. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I would. I would yeah, I absolutely loved this, and I hope I was helpful. You know, there is so much on this topic that is just so uh, hard to to share everything in in such a small time frame. Yeah. But yeah, pop into my profile on Facebook. There is loads of information there. Really, I try to post content that makes you think rather than just tips and and tricks and things like that. Although you'll find it there as well. You'll find it there as well. I love it. Well, again, this has been wonderful. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And if you're feeling cooped up and cluttered in your life and looking to break free and start living a purposely positive life, you can download a free resource at TonyWCoaching.com. It's an ebook called Strive to Thrive, a short read, and it'll start you in the direction of a purposely positive life.